0: I turned 21 in prison, doing life
1: without parole. No one could steer me right, but Mama tried. Mama tried, Mama tried to raise me better, but her pleading I denied.
0: That leaves only
1: me to blame, cause Mama tried.
2: Good morning, good morning, good morning, sweet, beautiful Texas and beyond. And of course, it had to be Merle Haggard kicking things off for us today, right here on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show, brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. I'm Cable Smith, and uh, it's a sad deal when you lose one of the all-time greats, one of the true outlaws of country music, right up there with Willie and Waylon, and a couple others, uh, Johnny Cash. Uh, those were those were this guy's peers, and uh, his music will continue to live on and inspire no doubt about that but uh, anyway uh, there is no place that i would rather be than right here with you guys and gals talking hunting fishing the great outdoors and all that implies And we've got a great show planned for you this morning so you know what to do by now Uh, pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat up old thermos that still has mud caked on it from three duck seasons ago because uh, we are ready to rock and roll. And off the top, uh, we're going to get into one of the worst poaching cases that we've seen off the Texas coast in over a decade. Uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife Captain Fred Ruiz from our Game Warden Division will jump on to discuss uh, these three criminals, these these poachers, who on Easter Sunday came back into Freeport with 488 Red snapper over their limit. Uh, I hope these guys get uh, the you know thrown under the jail, to say the least. And Captain Ruiz will give us the uh, the latest on what's going on with that case, uh, how they caught these guys, and what kind of charges they'll be facing, as well as uh we'll we'll ask him about the black market, and you know get into whether or not that is a real issue that uh, our game wardens and Coast Guard and even the Feds are fighting. On the coast because clearly these guys had some kind of uh, arrangement made with a restaurant or a buyer to sell their illegal catch Uh, so kind of disturbing Uh, but we'll take a look at all that coming up here in just a minute then um, if you're like me you probably have some ground venison maybe some some uh roasts or, or other cuts of wild game still in your freezer from this last season And as uh, someone who fancies themselves as a pretty serious cook when it comes to wild game, I'm always looking for new and exciting things to do with my harvest. But making jerky is something that I have tried and failed at miserably. (laughs) So I have very little experience with that, but uh, I'm going to get into it. So I've asked my friend Sean Callahan from the Pursuit to the Plate podcast to jump on with us today uh, to give us some insight on how you and I can take our jerky games to the next level. So I'm looking forward to having Sean join us here in just a little bit. After that, we'll really shift gears. And uh, we'll take a break. Stop down for a pretty funny segment. My studio line is an unlisted private number. And yet the telemarketers keep calling. I tell them to take me off their call list. It doesn't do any good. So uh, I flipped the switch on them. And I've started recording (laughs) my conversations with these spammers. Uh, I try to educate them on hunting and fishing, but all they want to do is talk about themselves. So it makes for some pretty funny, uh, often tense, and uncomfortable audio. Uh, It's my new telemarketer tension series. And at the very least, uh, I hope you get a good laugh out of it. I have put them all up on YouTube, and uh, they've gotten some pretty good reviews. So we'll have a little fun here this morning as well. Before we wrap things up, By taking a look at Toledo Bend Reservoir, that unique lake right here on the Texas-Louisiana border, the largest lake in the entire southern United States, and one with a lot of history as far as how Texas and Louisiana worked together and funded the entire project in order to get this lake built. Well, here we are decades later, and it is having a rebirth like uh, you never see in bass fishing. The lake has turned out over 130 10-plus pound largemouths already this season. And uh, it's absolutely incredible. It's a cool thing they've got going on there with their lunker bass program as well. And longtime Toledo Bend biologist Ricky Yeldell, who uh, spent the better part of 37 years working right there on the lake, uh, he'll jump on with us to explain why the lake is on fire and uh, if it's showing any signs of slowing down. Toledo Bend is currently ranked as the number one bass fishing reservoir in the entire country by Bass Magazine, and uh, we'll figure out exactly why that is. So cool stuff coming up here at the bottom of the hour. A couple of other things to mention. Don't forget that our April Photo of the Month contest is going on right now. We are giving away a Mossberg MMR AR-15. That's right. We're giving away an AR-15 to this month's winner. So send in your best outdoor photo, hunting, fishing, outdoor photography, whatever. Email it to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com or post it uh, directly to our Facebook page wall or message it to me on Instagram. We'll get you entered. And then our 12 monthly winners from 2016 will square off for a chance to join me on a trophy axis deer, or black buck hunt down at Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas. So another fabulous grand prize hunt package right there for you as well. Um, Let's do a quick giveaway. I've got a Lone Star Ag Credit rifle case and Lone Star Ag Credit cap. We'll give this away to, let's just say everyone who texts in is eligible for today's drawing so here's how you enter today text in the word fishing that's fishing to 214-289-7807 that's fishing to 214-289-7807 and we'll get you entered into this morning's Lone Star Ag Credit giveaway let's take a break up next we'll take a look at one of the most disturbing downright blatant acts of poaching that we've seen along the Texas coast luckily our it's Texas Sparks Wildlife game wardens were Johnny on the teams. spot. If Captain Fred Texas Ruiz joins us next only I mean. on DSC's Lone Star Outdoors show.
3: Cause it's a Texas thing. Long necks and a western swing. It's the river walking Barton Springs. And a cold Lone Star.
2: Cable Smith here for Wildcat Lending, where they offer 90% investor financing for investors flipping houses. That's purchase price plus renovation. Unlike borrowing from a bank, they offer great terms and fast closing. There's no income verification and you deal directly with the owners. Wildcat Lending is lending money all over Texas and no other lenders can compete. Call 972-525-4777 or visit wildcatlending.com today. Wildcat Lending, hard money, made easy. I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like
1: to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari
2: Club,
4: one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails Magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call
3: 800-9-GO-HUNT- or visit our website at www.biggame.org.
2: The
3: star and she shines. More knows why God lies.
2: back on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show, brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Off Power Polaris. I'm Cable Smith, and it is so great to be here talking all things outdoors with you today. I appreciate you tuning in and being a part of this morning's presentation, as we are all set to, unfortunately, get into one of the worst poaching cases that we've seen off the Texas coast in some time. Uh, But luckily, the Coast Guard... And our Texas Parks and Wildlife Game Wardens were Johnny on the spot. And it's not all doom and gloom because these poachers, these criminals, these thieves were caught and arrested. And we'll uh, get into the details here momentarily with Captain Fred Ruiz. But first, this segment is brought to you by my favorite Texas vacation destination. Of course, I'm talking about Port Aransas on Mustang Island, the fishing capital of Texas where anglers enjoy pristine bays, estuaries, 18 miles of surf, and the deep blue waters of the Gulf of Mexico. Plus, all that beautiful redfish, trout, snapper, you name it. Uh, Whatever you caught that day, the local restaurants will cook it for you at sundown. So, come fish and play Texas Island style. For more info, visit porterances.org. Okay. Well, speaking of the Texas coast, uh, we're going to move on down from Port A just a little bit to Freeport because that is where one of the worst red snapper poaching cases that we've seen in some time emanated from. So, joining us now, uh, someone with a lot more information on the situation than myself, It's my pleasure to welcome Texas Parks and Wildlife Game Warden Captain Fred Ruiz to the show. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. It's great to have you with us. Um, Why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself, first of all, as far as how long you've been with Texas Parks and Wildlife and what area or areas of the state you oversee. Sure, yeah.
5: I've been with Parks and Wildlife for about 13 years. Um, I was stationed out of the academy here in Galveston. I was a game warden for about six years. I was a JA lieutenant for about a year and a half. Uh, the last four years, I've been a captain in Harris County, and now I'm the captain here in Galveston County.
2: Okay, right on. Well, we appreciate your service. and Yes, but, sir. As far as last week, I guess it was actually um, on Easter, uh, but we saw one of the largest recreational angler busts in over a decade when 488 red snapper, 120 vermilion snapper, and a couple of grouper were seized after the U.S. Coast Guard boarded a 30-foot Southport Center console that was fishing in federal waters off the Texas coast. Uh, First question is, how did the uh, Coast Guard become alerted, and and why did they end up boarding this vessel?
5: Well, you know, the Coast Guard as well as, you know, Parks and Wildlife, we do a lot of, you know, boardings of vessels entering um, the ports, the jetties, in this case, Mm Freeport, but we do it. You know, quite often we do it for homeland security reasons. We also do it for resource reasons. Uh, so the Coast Guard is actively patrolling these waters, just like we are. Um, in this particular case, they they came across the vessel, and um, standard type procedure, routine wise, they they board they boarded the vessel, uh, probably conducted a water safety inspection, and while doing so, noticed the uh, large quantity of fish on board.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, and so. When they boarded were they actually back in state waters? I mean I guess the vessel had already uh yeah okay, come into Freeport then um sure. so what happens next? They realize they've got this just this massive um you know oversized catch. Do they call you guys or do they call you know the feds or or how does that all play out?
5: Uh, they have the choice you know mm-hmm. we we work with the coast Guard um very close. Uh, as well as National Marine Fisheries. Um, So in this particular case, uh, they called one of the wardens out of Brazoria County to come in and look at it. Um, Anytime somebody has a large amount of snapper, that's going to be a telltale sign of maybe there's something not right there, considering the fact that it is such a regulated species. Right. So in this particular case, you know, they look at it. They call a local uh, game warden. The game warden meets them there at the dock. um, And then from there, they go ahead and, and start doing you know, the inspection, making sure that they're, they are legal. And if they're not legal, then, you know, they go through the investigative process of trying to figure out what, what exactly is going on.
2: Right. And by, and by legal or not legal, we're saying, you know, uh, whether they're a commercial vessel, you know, or not, but these guys under my, you know, from what I know of, uh, these were recreational anglers.
5: Right. You know, when a boat comes in, you know, first of all, there's a lot of requirements for a commercial boat when they come in in terms of, you know, calling out, um, you know, notifying that they're coming in. They're going to have an account which would allow them to have a certain poundage of fish. So in this particular case, it's pretty easy, pretty quick to find out whether or not these guys are in legal possession of
6: mm-hmm. of the
5: red snapper or not. And, you know, obviously um, this boat was not in any kind of way legal in possessing, uh, possessing that fish. And so from there, um, you know, we went ahead continued the investigation we called um our partners with the national marine fisheries to come in and and assist and um and so that's where we're at now you know they're they're still investigating that case to make sure that they everything is um you know closed up and and taken care of in the way that it
2: should be sure and my understanding is there was three anglers on this boat Yes, sir. Three, uh-huh. three individuals. And and let me ask you this: Did they even have valid fishing licenses, or and I and I, I mean I think it's a pertinent question um, because then people can draw their own assumptions as to whether or not they've done it before. Yeah, my understanding is that they
5: did have uh, fishing licenses.
2: Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so maybe not the first time they've done it, but for sure the first time they've been caught the thing is snapper season in federal waters is closed I mean of course they were uh, I think you can catch two in federal waters, so they're still 482 over their limit uh, but the season's closed they also had 60 vermilion snapper over their limit plus gag grouper which that season's closed as well so just gross violations across the board uh, how many pounds of fish were did you guys estimate it, it was and what was the value of the fish
5: uh, I believe the estimated weight was about 1,700 pounds with a commercial value of about $9,500.
2: Wow. Okay. That's a lot of snapper. I mean, if these guys ate snapper every day for uh, a year, you know, they'd still have plenty left over. So more than likely, they're planning on selling it on the black market. And I understand in these cases that uh, a buyer or a restaurant probably has already agreed to purchase an illegal catch um, when this happens.
5: Yeah, you know, we we don't know. And again, as part of the investigative process, you know, we will look at, you know, all of the options that they may have had, Mm -hmm. um, things that they may have been up to, and, uh, you know, we'll check those things off as we go to make sure that we're doing our due diligence. You know, the the overall issue here is, you know, a respect for the resource, and um, we want to make sure... That number one, that people are abiding by bag limits and seasons, um, even though they're out in federal waters, they can be cited by a state by state law uh, state issued ticket um, if they're not abiding by laws and rules, whether bag limits size limits outside of the nine nautical miles, sure. so you know we just want to make sure that they're they're doing that and in terms of you know, what they were going to do with the fish and all this other stuff, you know, we'll we'll let the investigation continue and then, you know, they can determine exactly what the the true motive was here.
2: Right. Well, and let me ask you this, as someone who's seen stuff like this before, maybe not to this, uh, you know, on such a a large scale, but um, is that typically the case where, you know, people go out with, uh, you know, an agreement, an existing agreement to sell their catch uh, on the black market to, you know, a buyer? Well, the the problem
5: is is to detect it. You know, we are a small organization, um, and and, we have a lot of land to cover, a lot of of water to cover, a lot of responsibilities, and trying to catch everybody coming in from offshore to do these type of things um, can be a burden. I will tell you that because and since IFQ has come into effect, um, it has been a lot easier to identify those individuals that are doing this type of activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one, you have people that are, um, that have been in the snapper industry for years when the derby was still going on. Um, they are very responsible in how they do their business now because of IFQ and they uh, help us out a lot of times in regulating these individuals that would go outside of the, the rules and regulations to do this. So, I will tell you that it's probably less now than it was before. Uh-huh. but you know, human nature as it is, I mean, we are still going to have those people that are trying to profit um, outside of you know the law,
2: right. right. What kind of penalties are are these uh, poachers facing?
5: Well, I mean, again, once we get the whole process done and we can see what's in front of us uh, in terms of what their violations are, we'll determine you know, with law enforcement as well as the attorneys that are involved, you know, the ADAs or the federal attorneys to make sure um, that everything is the way it's supposed to be in terms of the law. But, you know, they could find, they could be facing a high amount of fines um, depending on what that total amount ultimately is in terms of the fish. Um, and they could be looking at revocation in terms of their license or whether a federal license or permit or a state license or permit. So, you know, all of those things are on the table. But again, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, we've we've done our due diligence in terms of the investigative process and made sure that anything that we can um, prosecute these guys for, that, that we'll do that.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and I appreciate y'all doing that because these, these kind of people belong under the jail. I mean, they're stealing from, from all of us. The blatant disrespect for the resource itself, on top of that, is uh, it's mind-boggling how people can, can do that. But um, what uh, what was done with the fish? You've got, like you said, seventeen hundred pounds of fish. Apparently, the guys, you know, were taking care of it. At least, from what I read, they had it iced down. So uh, I imagine the fish wasn't wasted.
5: No, no. It, on these type of things, uh, the protocol typically is anything that we seize in because of a an illegal act, the fish is sold to a market. So it's not it doesn't go to waste. Um, you know obviously, unlike a you know a car or a boat, we can't store it. So we go ahead and sell it. The money goes into account. It stays stagnant in an account until the disposition of the case.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: So for instance, in this particular case or any case that we have a large whether it's shrimp, whether it's fish, whether it's uh, whatever the resource is, uh, whatever that market value is at that time, we wait on the disposition of the case. So if they were to be found uh, not guilty, they would get the money for that for that fish. Now, in this particular case, since they had no legal recourse to have that fish, um, I find that would be extremely rare for that to happen, and they would not receive that money.
2: And so then the, when these guys don't get the money, because clearly they're, <laughs> they're not going to get it, what where right. does the money go?
5: Then that would go to the state or to a fund that would help you know, whether it's the stocking of these fish or, or these type of things. So it would go to a positive, a positive, um, outcome in terms of the resource.
2: Okay. Well, let me ask you this <clears throat> in 13 years on the job along the Texas coast. Um, uh, do you think the snapper fishery is healthier now today or when you started? Uh,
5: there's no doubt that the size of the fish have, have, um, they're, they're bigger. Um, I would say, in terms of abundance. Um, you know, the Derby was hard. It's hard, it's hard to put a you know a finger on it when the Derby was here because we didn't necessarily, we, you know, there was no way that we could determine what time they were coming in when they were coming in. So it was hard to actually see a lot of the fish. Uh, when we got lucky, we did see the fish and they were in large quantities. They were smaller in size. I think they're a lot bigger now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it's hard for me to equate. I can just tell you from a law enforcement standpoint, um, I appreciate the IFQ and the way it is. It allows us um, to regulate the fisheries um, in a more, I guess, you know, for lack of a better term, a civilized manner. So um, in in those regards, um, that's what I can really comment on.
2: Okay, okay. Well, fair enough. Um, hey. Captain Ruiz, I certainly appreciate your time today. Uh, thank you sure. guys for, for doing everything in your power to protect the resource for obviously uh, recreational anglers like myself and I imagine you a lot of the time. We appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely, Yes, sir. All right, there he goes, Texas Parks and Wildlife Game Warden Captain Fred Ruiz. Uh, great stuff there. And, man, I hope that they, uh, they throw the book at those crooks, uh, stealing from not only recreational anglers but uh, the commercial guys as well. And if it was up to me, not only would they do jail time, have to pay fines, but they'd never be able to purchase another fishing license as long as they live. But uh, anyway, that segment proudly brought to you by Hercules Hunting Blinds. They are based right here in Texas. I've got one at my dear lease. And like I always tell y'all, it's the Taj Mahal. It's comfortable, room enough for uh, two to three people in there. Easy. It's got carpet, cup holders, shelves. And if you like to bow or rifle hunt, the blind has windows for both applications, uh, so a great versatile blind, and you can find them at HerculesOutdoorIndustries.com. Well, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll tell you what to do with all of that leftover ground venison that is sitting in your freezer. Uh, maybe you've got some roasts, or I mean, hopefully you don't have any back straps left at this point, but uh, you still probably have some venison in there. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do with a lot of that precious protein coming up here momentarily. South Pond Waterfowl Pursuit to the Plate podcast host, Sean Callahan, drops by next. We're talking all things jerky, only on DSC's Lone Star Outdoor Show.
0: We're out south with the highland face is a poor man working in a rice-filled maze. And a barefoot
2: boy on a jetty plank as he walks into the goal. Cable Smith here for Lone Star Ag Credit. We all know land is a limited commodity. Let's face it, they're not making any more of it, but everybody wants it. Whether that's to build a house, hunt deer, or run cattle, allow Lone Star Ag Credit to help make that land your land. They've been doing it since 1917. For more information, visit LoneStarAgCredit.com to let them help you finance your piece of Texas today. We all love fishing, but private water fishing makes the experience even more enjoyable. Private means private, and when you reserve one of over 50 private lakes, that means you're the only one on the water. Lakes are stocked and professionally managed to grow big bass, and most have boats on site at no charge. You'll catch bigger numbers and bigger fish than on public water. Silence, solitude, and no crowds. It's a great way to introduce kids and grandkids into the outdoors. Visit privatewaterfishing.com to become a member today do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease we have the solution the system hog trap
1: Hey, North Texas sports fans this is Brian Spagnola, general manager of Texas Motorcars in Addison my family's been in the car business for over 50 years and I want to show you the difference in buying from a family-owned and operated business TexasMotorCars.com is an awesome website that lets you do virtually all of your shopping online we have a professional photographer that takes amazing photos and we give you all the information that you'll need up front You can even find out how much we will give you for your trade-in before you ever come in. I take pride in the fact you can come in, choose a car, and be out in less than an hour. We have financing rates starting at 1.79% on pre-owned vehicles it can help almost anybody. Please do yourself a favor if you're in the market for a pre owned vehicle of any kind, give us a shot. Let me show you how easy buying a vehicle should be. Visit TexasMotorCars.com or come visit our 20,000 square foot indoor showroom in Addison. Again, visit TexasMotorCars.com or call us at 1-888-9-TX-Motors.
2: Well, you get up 1 888 9 TX Motors. Walk to the woods of Grandpa's gun.
3: You climb up in a tree, quiet as a mouse. You knock him in the head, drag him back to the house. Dear meat, it tastes
2: so fine. Oh, one of my favorites there from it's Justin Bowerman, our good friend and hunting buddy. Deer me meat is the name of that one. Bringing us back on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. I couldn't think of a more appropriate tune because we're about to talk all things jerky. Maybe you've gone through your back straps, tenderloins, uh, and your choice cuts of meat from your deer or whatever uh, other animals you were fortunate enough to harvest this fall. And so when you open your freezer, those are the things that are staring you in the face. Not that they're bad options. Gosh, I mean, we live off that stuff at my house. But I'm always looking for new ways to prepare that, and uh, I've experimented with jerky only one time in my life, and it was a colossal failure, Uh, (laughs) and who knows, maybe you're uh, actually, you know, already a jerky expert, but I am far from one, and so I thought today we'd bring on a friend who is well-versed in the art of jerky making, but before we do that, this segment is brought to you by Scent Blockers' all-new Hog Under the Influence Attractant. Let me tell you, last weekend... Uh, I had the pleasure of using the first ever bottle to come out of the production line. Uh, our friend David Strandberg brought it down from Scent Blocker headquarters up there in Minnesota, and we used it. We actually killed two hogs um, by using the HUI, the hog under the influence. The, the flavor is called Scenta and I don't see how any feral hog could resist it. It worked for us. It'll work for you. Go to scentblocker.com and order your HUI today. Okay, let's go ahead now and bring on our next guest. He is uh, our good friend and host of the Pursuits of the Plate podcast, Sean Callahan. Thanks for being here, man.
4: Hey, thanks for having me on, Cable.
2: You bet, brother. We need to get your Missouri Heine down here for uh, some real barbecue and, uh, and a Texas hog hunt.
4: <laughs> Somehow I knew that was coming up. I will <laughs> take you up on both of them, man. I've heard good things about both, and we don't have hogs up here, so and pintails. We gotta make it work out so I can get down there and shoot some uh pentails and uh some spoonbills even.
2: I like them. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the fully plumed out Hollywood, that's uh-huh. for sure. Oh, yeah. Um and now you you actually live in uh, Saint Louis, right?
4: No, Kansas City ish.
2: Oh yeah, uh, right, right. Kansas I'm, City.
4: Yeah, just just north and east of there about
2: fifteen, twenty minutes. So Yeah. You're a big Royals fan.
4: Oh man, it's hard not to be now, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, you know they say even the blind squirrel finds an acorn. So,
4: oh god, they've they've been bad for a long time. Like that movie Major League, that was pretty much the past.
2: How it work has been working like for our it. entire lives. Yeah, they've been terrible. Yeah, pretty
4: much.
2: <laughs> well, hey man, eight I've four, I've enjoyed listening to your podcast over the years, and and uh, even being invited on as a guest a couple times. But uh, it's been some of your social media posts of late that really got the tires spinning for today's topic. Because I know yeah. we both love to cook our harvest. I mean, that's uh, uh-huh. that's where it comes full circle. And yep. preparing that wild protein in a myriad of different ways is something we both love to do. Uh, but yes. I have absolutely no experience making jerky. I love jerky, uh, but I usually have to buy it or someone has to give it to me. So for the hunter out there who still has plenty of, you know, who's in the same situation, they've still got plenty of meat, they're looking for mm-hmm. some other things to do with it, Um Let's discuss how they can turn that protein into a delicious and long-lasting snack. Probably, You know, it's my favorite snack on the planet. Oh, yeah,
4: hands down. But also another good thing during season to keep you rolling, especially with waterfowl, um, you know, the whole possession limit thing. As soon as that meat's cooked, that frees up room to go hunt more ducks. Yeah. So you're not eating just a ton of the same thing over and over and over. Right That's another good thing. Or if you're really getting into them good with ducks and geese, start cutting them things up or jerky. So
2: yeah, well, so let's start because there's there's different ways you can prepare it. You know, with muscle meat as compared to yes. uh, obviously ground. Um, so start with a muscle. Uh, I know you can use a roast. Basically, you could use any cut of meat. Uh, In,
4: any cut of meat, and you just got to be. You got to try to have a little bit of thought process involved when you're cutting it. Um, You being from Texas, you probably know how to smoke or cook a brisket. Sure. And when you cut those things, you always want to try to cut perpendicular to the grain. But that being said, sometimes you can't. You got backstrap, which you could use, or a duck breast or something like that. Sometimes you just can't cut perpendicular to the grain. So you just want to cut it to where you can actually get a usable piece of meat, um, quarter inch thick. And then what we were talking about off there would be Insecure, um, which is basically the pink curing salt. Mm-hmm. And little dabble do you on that stuff. And, you know, season, Insecure, and leave it sit. And when you're marinating it... Uh,
2: so you season it, it and put the pink curing salt on it first and then put it in I, your yes, favorite marinade? I,
4: I, I, yes, I like to put my pink curing salts and leave it dry. You don't have to. Some people mix it in with the liquid marinade, which you can do. Either way, I mean, you're not... The pink curing salt's basically going to keep you from getting botulism
6: right, right um
4: and it also gives me that hammy reddish rubbery kind of hue that you get from like jack links jerky or if you're eating ham or some of your sausages out there that's what gives it that handy consistency okay but uh yeah just you know cut try to stay as close to a quarter inch thick um you know you cut it perpendicular to the grain it's usually going to be a little bit more tender um, but if you can't do that, it's not going to make or break it. Um, you know, leave marinade, I'd say at least 48 hours uh-huh. um, with the liquid stuff. Worcestershire's, um, soda, beer.
2: Whatever um, your favorite is. Kind of like the dry, yeah. whatever your your palate, exactly, you know, whatever you like. Exactly.
4: Yeah. Being, you know, Texas, you guys probably have a ton of different dry
2: barbecue rubs out there. Oh yeah, I've got those a, things, I've got a yeah. uh, pantry full of them. Yes,
4: yeah, those things are great for both ground and
2: uh, muscle meat jerky. Okay. So. Well, so once you've got it cut up, cured, and seasoned, and marinated for forty-eight mm-hmm. hours, um, yep. What method do you use to turn it into jerky? Okay. Um,
4: there's a few different ways you can do it. There's I. Um, for my muscle meat, I put it in a dehydrator. Um, your best to be above 140 degrees. Uh-huh. Um, that's that whole safe food zone thing that people get all worked up about. But, right. Um, you know, all the dehydrators are going to be different. Um, I just whipped up a whole bunch for Pheasant Fest, and I'm using a pretty dinosaur type dehydrator. It's some magic camp magic chef or something i don't know Mm -hmm. very uneven um so some stuff would be done literally overnight and then some stuff was still raw so you know it's one of those things to where you don't have to babysit it every 30 45 minutes and check it but uh you know every eight hours or so six to eight hours it's good just to get in there and check and you can tell when it's done Uh you know you can tell by looking at it and Another thing you can run into if you're not hitting that 140 degree mark, it can have the appearance of being done, but if you actually pull it apart, you can still tell by looking at it, still kind of not cooked inside. Yeah. Or actually, all the moisture's out. So that's how I do my muscle meat. You can also smoke it, um, but throw a little bit of liquid smoke in your marinade, and it saves you the hassle of trying to run your smoker for a day or two. You yeah. know. Yeah. Well,
2: the only way that I've ever tried it was in the oven with a bunch of yeah. a bunch of duck breast, and yeah. all I did was stink up the whole house and char the meat <laughs> to the point where it was not edible for me. It worked out. Yeah, I ended up. I mean, the dogs retrieve it, so they it's ended up treat. getting it for for treats <laughs> the next couple of weeks. But it was uh, it was not fit it. for human consumption. No, I mean. So I'm gonna bypass the oven method. I know a lot of people still still do that, and it is an effective oh,
4: yeah, yeah, for sure uh, method. It, it,
2: but it, it does, does stink up your house.
4: Yeah, it, well, yeah, it does. And if you have an oven, you you got to remember you're going to have to treat that more like a smoker. Mm-hmm. You need to be around 170 degrees uh, with your oven. And you're talking an oven is going to rack up a lot of money on your power bill, you know, running for 24 to
2: 48 hours, even yeah. at 170 yeah. degrees. Yeah. So, well, yeah. And it's messy. Yeah. Well, so um, for the hunters out there who, like myself, had it you know, just a ton of ground venison, or it could be, you know, duck or whatever, Uh, whatever they were fortunate enough to harvest this season have had ground or ground themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, You can also use this, this meat to make jerky. And uh, I understand that, uh, you know, a jerky gun comes in handy uh, if that is the route you're going to go.
4: Yes, it is. It's very handy. I don't have a jerky gun myself, but I've seen them used. Um, They work wonders. There's a whole bunch of different brands out there. You know, you can get a good jerky gun and kit, seasoning kit, for probably under 80 bucks. Mm -hmm. And that's every, that's going to give you a few different seasonings. Most of them will give you the pink salt we're talking about. And there's so many different websites on there. You can actually get straight up either liquid or dry jerky seasonings for, you know, ground meat. If you don't have a jerky gun and you don't want to spend 80 bucks, um, you can basically get the meat. Mm -hmm. So let's just say you have a pound of meat, right? Take a pound of meat, one of the, one teaspoon, literally one teaspoon of the curing salt, uh, number one. Dump it in there, and then season with, uh, you know, whatever your favorite seasonings are. Garlic, yeah. onion, it's simple. A um, little
2: bit of sugar, brown sugar, if you like that. Uh, you gotta put some season. heat in there. Put some uh,
4: yes, chili Cajun. powder or something. Oh, yeah. Your cay- cayenne pepper. Yeah. Um, cayenne pepper be good. And then... Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't use the liquid smoke in this one. This is where I'd break out the smoker, you know, smoke at 175 once it reaches that magic number of I think pork 150 145, um, I'd say 150. Uh, Pull it out. Don't do it over 165 um, because you know it's it's a lean meat, and uh, you know put that baby on there, smoke it. Do not roll smoke for like two hours. It will be ruined. Literally roll the smoke for 15 minutes, no more than 20 or 30. Pull the smoke out and then continue to let it bask. At that point, if your smoker only smokes with smoke, then you can put it in the oven on 175 for, you know, another two, three hours until it's done. And at this point, you're going to have more of a, I just don't like to dry it out. Like I've had the ground jerky dried out. It's just not as good. You can do it that way. Well, you told it, me
2: words. you told uh, me uh, off the air. Also, one important thing about when you're using the ground um, is to cool it after you, you know, kind of cure it and season it. You want to? Uh, you need
4: to leave it sit for 24 hours. Anytime. time. Yeah. yeah I, I would put it in the fridge. Uh, mix in all your ingredients. You know, it's the same as anything. A little bit of Worcestershire, garlic, onion, cayenne, sugar, uh, and then if you want to put a little bit of beer in there, just to give it a little bit of moisture. And uh, mix it up, leave it sit overnight, and then you can lay it out flat. And this is where I kind of got off track with the jerky gun, but you can actually lay it out flat uh-huh. and kind of roll it out thin to that same thing, quarter inch thick. And then you could cut it in strips at that point or put that whole piece of meat very carefully on your uh, smoker tray or in the oven or whatever, and then do it, do it, cook it, then slice it. Um, like a pizza cutter or something mm-hmm. after it's done. So you're going to have like a whole square of meat that you've rolled out quarter inch thick or multiple squares of meat mm-hmm. that you've rolled out a quarter inch thick and you can just cut it when it's done smoking. But yeah, you definitely, what it does is, is sodiums can actually, if there is any kind of uh, fat in there, which most wild games lean can actually keep the fat in the meat from binding. Mm hmm and it can cause the fat to separate, which you don't want your fat. If there is any in there rendering, and fat can also um something that people think about when you're doing muscle jerky. Until you get real familiar with either aspect of it, try to get the fat out of there.
6: Yeah.
4: Um, because that's going to be the first thing to spoil, especially if you're dehydrating for extended periods of time. Um, that's going to be the first thing that could potentially cause you to get sick.
2: Right on, right on. Cool. Well, hey brother, we're uh we're just about out of time. I'm glad you threw that in there about the fat, though, because that, that's a very important point. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Real quick, if you want to give us your uh, podcast information, you know, website, and uh, which social media outlets people can find you on.
4: Yeah, man. Uh, podcast, You can find us on iTunes. Uh, just search The Pursuit to the Plate, and then um, you can also find us find us on the website uh, southpondwaterfowl.com. dot com, and uh, Facebook, Twitter, and
2: you're on Instagram He's too. out
4: there getting, getting at it. So cooking, eating, cleaning, processing our game, getting the kids out with us, mushroom hunting right now, which you think is crazy, but it's awesome. And uh, <laughs> all, all kinds of good stuff, man.
2: Right on brother. Well, Hey, we look uh, forward to uh, having you down here to Texas and put you on some, uh, putting you on some feral hog sometime in the near oh, future. For sure, man. Well, Hey Sean, thanks again, man. All right. Thank you, brother. All right. There he goes. Our buddy, Sean Callahan from, uh, the Pursuit to the Plate podcast in South Pond Waterfowl. And that segment, by the way, brought to you by, well, the only name that I trust when it comes to performance in eyewear, Costa Sunglasses. Uh, Whether you're hitting the salt flats or sight fishing to spawning bass, Costa has you covered with a diverse lineup of different styles, frames and of course they're 580p patented lenses and you can find them all right there at costadelmar.com costa see what's out there all right let's take a break when we come back we're going to deviate from the uh, the normal format i've had these annoying extremely annoying actually telemarketers calling my unlisted number for years now well over the past couple weeks, I decided to turn over a new leaf and just stop hanging up on them and instead keep them on the phone for as long as possible and educate them on hunting and fishing. Hey, if they want to try to sell me crap, well, I'm going to try to sell them on the outdoor lifestyle. It makes for some uh, pretty uncomfortable and sometimes tense moments, <laughs> but uh, up next, it is part of my new telemarketer tension series, which... Uh, has taken off on YouTube of late. So get ready for some funny stuff from the Lone Star Outdoors right show down, audio vault up next only on DSC's Lone Star Outdoors show.
3: If you don't love it,
1: leave it, let this song I'm singing be a warning. And you're running down my country, man, you walking on the fight inside me. Cable Smith
2: here for Deer View Windows. As a whitetail hunter, nothing is more frustrating than poor visibility in a deer blind. It can flat ruin a hunt. At Deer View Window Company, they manufacture windows solely for the use in deer stand and deer blinds. All of their windows and doors can be custom made to fit your specific openings. Or you can select from standard sizes from hinged windows to sliding windows and everything in between. Visit DeerViewWindows.com to determine which style window is best for your deer blind. Plus, you'll get a free quote. Deer View Windows, where visibility matters. Cable Smith here for the beautiful Eagle Shores at Lake Bob Sandlin. Only a few deep water dockable lakefront home sites remain. This is the fastest selling community ever on Lake Bob Sandlin. So come enjoy the no pressure atmosphere when you take a look at these amazing lakefront properties before they sell out. Call 877-9-LAKESIDE or visit www.EagleShoresTexas.com. Rockwall Gun Club is North Texas' premier shooting facility, offering both indoor and outdoor ranges, including a unique 500-yard rifle range. If shotgunning's your thing, then check out the 18-station Clay course. Opening summer 2014, Rockwall Gun Club is offering special introductory family and corporate membership rates for founding members. Located at 15950 State Highway 205, you can also visit rockwallgunclub.com or call 972-215-6902 Rockwall Gun Club. The private shooting experience. Howdy, friends. Cable Smith here, and many of you have seen my pictures throughout the last hunting season of my Custom 7 mag. That rifle was built by Horizon Firearms. Horizon Firearms is a custom rifle builder here in Texas located in College Station, and they specialize in extremely accurate custom rifles designed exactly the way you want them. Give them a call at 979-229-4664 or check them out at horizonfirearms.com. LSC Trailer Sales offers a full line of utility trailers from small single axle trailers to heavy equipment trailers, ATV trailers, car haulers, landscape trailers, cargo trailers, truck beds, and more. They can special order a custom trailer to fit your needs and have the ability to customize standard models in-house. LSC Trailer Sales is here to assist you with any questions that you have about trailers. Call 940-566-1133 or visit lsctrailersales.com. That's lsctrailersales.com.
3: Hey, y'all, this is Jason Bowen and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Two to four don't seem like
1: much Until you're stuck in eight by ten He felt guilty damn near all his life But much more now than this. little Jason Boland and the stragglers bringing us
2: back on DSC's Lone Star Outdoors show brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power. Polaris Smith riding shotgun with you today. Uh, thanks so much for being here as we are about to have some fun with the old Lone Star Outdoors show audio vault. Uh, but before we do that, this segment is brought to you by Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. Grab a 12-pack on your way to the turkey lease or to the lake this spring. And remember to celebrate punching those turkey tags and full stringers with an ice cold Lone Star Beer. Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. Okay, well, if you're like me, well, maybe if you're not, uh, I don't know how many people actually have a landline anymore these days. Um, The only reason I do is to record interviews with guests for the show. So that being said, my number is unlisted. Nobody's supposed to have it, yet I get... Two to five uh, telemarketers calling every day, sometimes more. Uh, And it really has grown annoying. I've told all of these companies to take me off of their call list, yet they keep calling. And it's the same companies over and over again. Uh, So that being said, I figured instead of me just hanging up on them or letting Henry answer the phone, it's kind of funny to let them uh, talk to a three-year-old, but I thought there might be an opportunity for some audio gold here. And so here I am trying to educate these people on why they need to get into the great outdoors and do a little hunting and fishing. Some of them take it well and are, uh, you know, good sports. A couple of them, not so much. Uh, but anyway, it's the new Telemarketer Tension series. You can find uh, all of these recordings on our Lone Star Outdoor Show YouTube channel. Life's too short not to have fun. And while we deviate from the normal script here for a minute, uh, I think y'all might find it uh, humorous as well. So, check it out. I'm sorry, I missed your name.
7: My name is Vladimir with Kings Row Management. Oh, okay. And we're calling.
2: Hey, Vladdy, right, how are and you? I'm doing good. You don't uh, mind if I call so you Vladdy, driving. do you? I call you Vladdy.
7: It's okay, my friends. Okay. All my friends call me like that.
2: Uh-huh.
7: <laughs> and uh, well, basically, we were calling regarding uh the remaining mortgage insurance payment, and we're showing here that you guys are paying about. $80 towards your mortgage insurance each month and mm-hmm. we wanted to confirm if you still have the same FHA mortgage loan from July 1st 2010
3: Yeah,
2: usually my wife handles that kind of stuff. Let me ask you this though Have you been out uh, taking advantage of the crappie spawn yet?
7: The the No, I'm not really familiar with that.
2: Um, you don't like to go fishing? Oh, this is a great time of the year
8: Oh, really? Yeah um, you
7: know? I'll definitely be, you know, I'll Google that and see how I could do that, you know. Uh huh.
2: Yeah. Or what about? Uh, do you have plans for spring turkey? What kind of spring box? Turkey. What kind of box call do you use, or maybe you like a mouth call? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah. Well, do you, um, do you do you use a box call or a mouth call?
7: No, I don't. I don't do any, um, any of that.
2: So you don't. You don't go crappie fishing and you don't turkey hunt.
7: No, no, I do not. Well, that
2: doesn't make a lick of sense, (laughs) Flatty. We got to get you outside, man.
7: Yeah, man, perhaps one of these days, hopefully, I do need to go outside.
2: Do you, uh, I mean, do you like to shoot guns or maybe you like to bow hunt?
7: I like to play basketball.
2: Well, I mean, that's good. At least you're getting some exercise. (laughs) Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
7: Well, uh, Mr. Smith, um, I don't mean to, you know, waste too much of your time. I just wanted to, you know, uh, let you guys know that, you know, you may no longer need to pay that mortgage insurance, unless this is something I could speak to Erin about, or.
2: Yeah, well, she's at work, buddy.
7: I see. Do you know what's the best time I could reach out to her?
2: Uh she, she'll be back around probably seven or eight. Okay, thank you so much. I do appreciate that. Take care, buddy. Bye now. You too. Bye. So old Vladdy, uh, he seemed to enjoy the conversation. Who knows? We might have inspired him to take up hunting or fishing. Our next telemarketer, though, uh, Sierra, she she didn't really take too kindly to me wasting her time. Imagine that, somebody wasting her time, which is what she does all day, every day for a living.
9: My name is Sierra from Nationwide Automotive. Uh
2: Uh-huh.
9: Calling today regarding the protection plan for your vehicle. Oh, yeah. Okay, and right now, approximately, how many miles do you have?
2: Hmm, I think it's probably got about, let's see, I went crappie fishing this weekend, and before that, turkey hunting, I probably put some miles on it. Then I'd say probably about 80,000 miles. 81,000, I think, yeah.
9: Okay, no problem. So you do qualify for full platinum protection on the vehicle at this time, sir?
2: Mm-hmm. Did you get out what, and do a little crappie fishing this weekend too?
9: No, I did not go fishing this weekend. I don't fish.
2: Oh no. Well what do you like to hunt then?
9: Did I don't you do really some hunt. turkey hunting? No, why why? Is it a holiday or something? You're supposed to hunt today?
2: Oh no, Yesterday? just the springtime, you know, when the blue bonnets come out, you know, the those those toms are strutting and gobbling. Oh, it's a great time to get out. <laughs>
9: But no, yeah, sir, we're calling about the warranty coverage on your vehicle. Your eligibility mm-hmm. for you to extend the warranty is closing out. Oh, okay. Okay, so we had to call you today to let you know what you do still qualify for, sir.
2: So the way it works sometimes, though, is like the hens make this noise, and they, that's how they get the gobbler's attention, and then he'll gobble back to them. Who? Tom. Who's Tom. Tom, you know the gobbler.
9: I'm sorry, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs>
2: well, I mean, sometimes it could be Jake. You know, usually it's the toms that are pretty aggressive in the, you know, during the breeding season. For All right. For
9: the
2: spring turkey your
9: warranty, sir, or no
2: Oh, on which vehicle?
9: On the uh, GMC.
2: Oh yeah, so that's going to expire soon.
9: Correct. Hmm. What is, the,
2: what is the cost associated there?
9: Well, with 81,000 miles, sir, you would qualify for full coverage, mm-hmm. which covers you um, for five brand new years and an additional 100,000 miles from the exact mileage you are at today. Uh, the total cost of the investment is only going to be $3,185.
2: Oh, my God. Do you know how many bows or shotguns I could buy with that amount of money? $3,100?
9: You could buy what?
2: What? Let me ask you this. What kind of bow do you like to shoot when you get out?
9: Sorry, I'm not shooting booze. Have a good day. I feel like you're just trying to waste my time right now.
2: No, bow, bow and arrow, don't you shoot?
9: No, I have a pretty good way. I I really know how to read people very well, and you just seem like you're trying to waste my time. Well,
2: we'll stop calling and wasting my time. Thanks. Oh, poor Sierra. (laughs) She just didn't know how to handle it. Uh, God forbid somebody waste their time when that's what they do all day, every day. And uh, all of these companies, I've, I've told them to take me off their call list. Uh, they say they do, and then they call the next day. So uh, anyway, we'll keep rocking and rolling, trying to educate them on the great outdoors. Uh, this guy Ricky here, uh, he really didn't care for it. And uh, you can hear his blood starting to boil as our conversation goes on. And I threw all my best moves at him, so uh, check this out.
8: Uh, yes, sir. My name is Ricky, and I'm calling to the service department for your computer, okay?
2: Uh-huh.
8: And, sir, so the reason why today we are calling you up because past couple of weeks, your computer is downloading some junks and malicious files from the Internet, and those files are corrupting your core parts of your computer without your prime knowledge. Are you aware of that problem?
2: Honestly, I hadn't thought about the, that.
8: The, the, that is the reason, sir, today we are calling you up to guide you and show you the problems in your computer and make aware of that problem, sir, okay? Right, right. Where are you
2: calling from? Yes, sir?
8: Uh, We are calling from the technical department of your Windows operating system, sir. And your Windows license ID that is registered in our department. So it is our responsibility to guide you and show you the problems in your computer. That is why we are calling you up to guide you and show you the problems in your
2: computer, sir, okay? Right. Yep. Hold on and I'll get in front of my computer. Okay.
8: And I believe that you are the main owner of that computer, correct?
2: Yeah. All right.
8: Okay. Uh, now you can see the I've been practicing a little bit
2: on my uh, box call lately. I like to do, usually like mouth calls, but I've been practicing with my box call. Let me tell me how you think it sounds.
8: Okay. Is that good? Yes. Sir.
2: What? Um, what which computer- counties are you going to hunt? Which your- counties are you going to hunt turkeys in this spring?
8: Yes. What do you see in your computer screen? Is your computer turned on?
2: Yeah, my computer's on. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm looking at so the uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife it. website, and uh, I was so just, you know, wondering. The
8: page. Exit out.
2: Uh
8: huh. Exit out the page. Oh uh, right. Yeah. Close the page, web page, and come to your, come to your normal desktop icons. Hmm. Now have a look on your computer keyboard. The extreme left-hand side, bottom corner of your computer keyboard. Do you see the Ctrl key, the control key?
2: Yeah, I see it. <laughs> also been practicing my duck calling a little bit. Uh, I'm a regular Phil Robertson, aren't I, Ricky? That'll get a mallard drake to come in. Yes, sir. Well, let me ask you this. Are you more of like a duckman 10, relentless, or more of a fear of the beard type of guy? Beside the city, what do you see? Hold on, I'll tell you. I'm not sure. What am I looking for?
8: Yes. Beside the CTRL key, what key do you see?
2: That's what a widgeon sounds like. Yes. Uh-huh. That's pretty good.
6: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. Got a blue-winged teal call here, too. <coughs> like that one? Yeah. What, uh... What is your favorite wild game recipe, Ricky? <laughs> I love games. Whoa, 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 Ricky. No need for that kind of language. That is uncalled for. We're having a nice chat here about uh, hunting and wild game, and you got to go off and do that. That's just uncalled for. But uh, our next guy, I forget his name. Uh, He was uh, a little more uh, accepting of uh, my line of questioning, but there were definitely some awkward pauses in here. (laughs) Uh, Check this one out. This is Mr. Smith.
10: I'm happy to have reached you. We're reaching out today to thank you and let you know you qualify for special new options available in the area. At this time we had a couple quick questions to help determine which options work best for you, such as currently. What do you enjoy watching most?
2: Uh, I like to watch shows where deer get shot.
10: Oh, okay, definitely. you enjoy hunting programs? And fishing. And fishing. Oh, okay, so definitely like the outdoors.
2: Mm-hmm.
10: Understandable. Uh, do you maybe find yourself participating in those kind of activities and, on a regular basis also?
2: As much as I can. What about you?
10: Eh, not too often myself. I kind of, uh, I guess, live the city life. Uh-huh. I don't only really find myself in those kind of activities too often.
2: Oh, that's boring, uh, dude. you got to get outside, get outdoors, live a little. Yeah, I
10: definitely believe it.
2: Yeah. Uh, do you
10: maybe find yourself uh, using the Internet from time to time? Always. Oh, okay. Is that maybe for, like, recreation or even just, like, work type of business or...?
2: Just for hunting and fishing stuff all day, every day.
10: Oh, okay. You can probably find your supplies online at a better price. Yeah, that too. Oh, okay. I know online shopping can be a little bit of a benefit to most. And I guess at this time, who do you guys currently have set up for maybe uh internet at this
2: time? You can find great deals on guns on the internet too.
10: Guns also? Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, this way people are printing them. <laughs> arrows,
2: fishing poles. Yeah. The whole nine yards. Definitely. Uh-huh. I guess, uh, who do you currently use for internet service at this time? Uh, I like to shoot elite bows, mostly. That's what I use right now.
10: Oh, definitely.
2: Uh huh. What kind of bow do you shoot again? No, I don't participate. Oh, oh that's a bummer.
10: Definitely. Mm-hmm. Do you have any questions for Time Warner?
2: Oh, we're talk time warner, that's what we're talking about. Sorry. Uh no, I I don't have any questions.
10: Yeah, okay. You know if anything comes up you're welcome to give us a call. Our number being one eight hundred eight nine two 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 five three. We'd be happy to help you. Great. Good talk. Thank you.
2: Thanks. <laughs> oh, Time Warner. I've told you not to call. I'm more of a Uverse guy myself. I get all my hunting and fishing programming from them just fine. But, hey, if they want to keep calling, uh, we'll keep trying to educate their telemarketers on the great outdoors. Um, But that's a wrap for today's telemarketer tension series. You can find all of them on our YouTube channel uh, right there. It's just Lone Star Outdoors Show. Uh, That segment, by the way, proudly brought to you by STI Guns. Go Texan and go STI, as well as Rudy's True Texas Style Barbecue. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, on a serious note, we'll get into some bass fishing. Toledo Bend Reservoir is on fire. Over 120 double-digit bass have already been caught this season. Uh, It's their best year they've ever had, and we'll take a look as to whether or not that trend will continue or if things should start to cool off here uh, in the near future. Long-time Toledo Bend Biologist Ricky Yeldell joins us next only on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show. And that old
6: time
2: plays for beer and bars. Are you looking for the perfect place to send your hunting buddy? Then check out Tioga Retrievers. With over 20 years' experience, Angie and Tim Becker can provide you with a field champion or a well-rounded hunting companion. Tioga Retrievers takes pride in catering to the needs of each owner and their dog. Conveniently located 45 miles north of DFW in Aubrey, Texas, Tioga Retrievers also offers day training and boarding. Call 940-440-0018 or visit them online at www.tiogaretrievers.com. That's T-I-O-G-A, retrievers.com. If you're in the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas, Louisville, Bobcat of Fort Worth, and Bobcat of Longview. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000 today. LSC Trailer Sales offers a full line of utility trailers from small single axle trailers to heavy equipment trailers, ATV trailers, car haulers, landscape trailers, cargo trailers, truck beds, and more. They can special order a custom trailer to fit your needs and have the ability to customize standard models in-house. LSC Trailer Sales is here to assist you with any questions that you have about trailers. Call 940-566-1133 or visit lsctrailersales.com. That's lsctrailersales.com.
0: All right, this is Phil Robertson, better known as the Duck Commander. This is the Lone Star Outdoor Show. 15,
3: Abilene, Abilene. There's a town that hit you've never seen, maybe it
2: The name of that one from Dave Alvin bringing us back on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoors show. I'm Cable Smith. Uh, Thanks to our presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. We're about to talk some big, and I do mean big, uh, double-digit bass here in just a second. But first, this segment of the show is brought to you by my good friends Josh and Becky Gunther at Rustic Reminders Taxidermy in Marion, Texas. Uh, Man. If it's something that's going on my wall, Josh and Becky are taking care of it. From bear to deer to exotics to trout, you name it. Uh, They're the only people I trust. And and let me tell you, friends, I have been burned by taxidermists in the past. Uh, Josh and Becky answer the phone when I call. And they give me an honest answer as to when they think the work will be finished. And when it is finished, man, oh, man, (laughs) you're in for a real treat. I tell you what, they truly are... Uh, artists when it comes to taxidermy check them out at GRThenumber eight mounts.com that's grthenumber eight mounts.com okay well if you haven't heard by now there's a little lake on the texas louisiana border well it's not really little uh, it's actually the largest reservoir in the southern united states it's pretty dang big uh, but toledo bend has been producing 10-pound bass after 10-pound bass to the tune of uh, they're up over 120, I think it's like 127 now, uh, just this season. And they've got a cool thing they do with their Toledo Bend Lunker Bass Program where if you catch a 10-pound bass and you bring it in alive, get it certified, and then release it back into the lake, um, they will actually give you a free replica of your bass uh, so they've already they've already committed to 120 something replicas this year, but the interesting thing is why is this lake that's over 50 years old having this uh, incredible rebirth here in 2015 and 2016? Shoot, in March there was one day where six anglers brought in 10 pound plus largemouth bass. I mean that's just that's just insane. <laughs> so why is this happening? Uh, it's incredibly rare for a lake of its age. Uh, to have this uh, revitalized fishery, joining us now, it's my pleasure to welcome longtime Louisiana Wildlife and Fisheries biologist Ricky Yeldell, recently retired, by the way, but uh, spent the better part of a decade working right there on Toledo Bend. Ricky, thanks for dropping in, man. Uh, glad to be with. You. It's our pleasure. Our pleasure. So, uh, have you been doing any fishing lately?
0: Yes, we're starting to do a little competition. Uh, that's my primary personal interest i like to crop the fish so yeah they're starting to bite pretty good but uh, other folks are doing very well with the bass fishing
2: well cool well let's uh, just talk a little bit about your background uh, how long did you work for the louisiana department of wildlife and fisheries before retiring last year uh, 38 years oh wow wow and and how much of that time was spent as a biologist uh, that you know oversaw the toledo bend reservoir
0: Uh, My last 15 years was in that capacity.
2: Okay. Well, I mean, Toledo Bend is such a unique lake. I mean, there's a lot of history there. It's actually a joint venture between Texas and Louisiana back in the... uh, It kicked off in the 50s, and finally I think the lake was impounded in the late 60s. It remains the only public water conservation and hydroelectric power project completed without federal funding. I mean, the entire country, meaning that the two states... Created the south's largest reservoir on their own dime Yes,
0: they did it yeah. is unique in that respect
2: and in a lot of other respects. Oh sure sure But just as historically I mean uh, For Texas and Louisiana to come together and say hey, let's each drop 30 million dollars on this and this is back in the You know 50s 30 million dollars was a lot more money back then than it is now um, You know, that's pretty significant and I believe it's the fifth largest uh, man-made reservoir in the entire country, so we're talking about a, a pretty uh, vast water space there.
0: Yes, and a, uh, a very successful cooperative effort between two states. It it comes with some complications, but they've all been dealt with uh, and very well, and and we continue today to have uh, excellent cooperation
2: between the two states. Uh huh. Well, it's long been known as a great bass fishery, but. Is it fishing better right now today than it ever has, in your opinion?
0: I don't think anyone would say it's better now than it ever has been
2: because of the phenomenal
0: uh, bass fishing particularly that was here in the 70s when it was a young lake. I mean, this was a world-class bass fishery at that time Mm -hmm. since it was experiencing the new reservoir phenomenon, and that set such a, a high watermark that I, I would not honestly say it's better now than it than it was then but uh it, it's a it's comparable and as far as large fish goes maybe a slightly better now than it was then but for numbers there i don't know of anything that's ever equal to band bend uh, in the 70s it, it was absolutely phenomenal but a uh, fantastic fishery today and And for a 50-year-old lake, I I don't think it has any equal. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is uh, an unusual situation here that that the lake is doing so well at this point in its life.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, and so and talk about, you know, what makes Toledo Bend such a a dynamic lunker factory because we're going to get into the number of big fish being caught here momentarily, but why is Toledo Bend producing so many big bass?
0: At this point, it's of uh, my opinion, and I think science will back me up on this, that we experienced a small-scale version of that new reservoir phenomenon here following the three-year drought mm-hmm. in which the lake reached its record low level since impoundment and that exposed a lot of acreage that had not been exposed to the atmosphere in many years and it improved both the uh, spawning substrate the bottom of the lake uh, for game fish spawning and more importantly gave vegetation an opportunity to grow there and bring nutrients back up from the soil and turn them into standing vegetation uh, above the soil. And if we go to to Fisheries Biology 101, you you have to realize that nutrients that are locked up in the soil beneath a water body are of... uh, very little, if any, use mm-hmm. to that ecosystem. The, an aquatic ecosystem is driven by sunlight being converted into energy by microscopic plants.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: And those plants feed microscopic animals, those animals feed larger animals, and then small fish and larger fish. And all of that depends on those microscopic plants being able to utilize nutrients that are suspended within the water column. They don't swim down to the bottom and dig them up out of the soil and use them. They have to be in contact with them in the water column. Mm
6: -hmm.
0: So in an older reservoir, the majority of your nutrients have been settled to the bottom and locked into the soil, and productivity will diminish uh, because of that in an older reservoir. When you dewater an area for a period long enough to allow terrestrial vegetation to grow those plants reach down into the soil with their roots and turn that those nutrients into plant material then when you reflood that area those plants begin to decay and those nutrients become released into the water column where they are available to drive the ecosystem Mm -hmm. that's why we had that new reservoir phenomenon because you were originally fishing a flooded forest Right, right and all of those nutrients were being released into the water and and you had more energy it seemed than you could use and so you just uh, you had maximum reproduction of game fish they had all the food they wanted to eat and everybody was fat and happy right okay and in, an, in an older reservoir that declines but when we had the drought here for three years we had areas exposed that that grew Significant vegetation, uh, woody vegetation, uh, willow trees were 10 or 12 feet high, <laughs> and when all and and it looked like you would see uh, in a clear cut area, just maximum vegetation grow of all kinds sprouting up, <laughs> and then that was reflooded and those nutrients released, and it's my opinion that the, the fish that we're seeing in our lunker numbers now were those fish that were at the five to seven pound range at the time the lake refilled and they have been slingshotted into larger uh, size classes now Mm
6: -hmm.
0: based on all of that uh, forage uh, that's been available the, the high, higher nutrient level and so forth and so they've just kind of ridden that crest of energy uh, into this larger uh, size class now mm, so okay. that's that is the most logical explanation for, for that and as I say I believe science would, would back me up on that it's a huge factor in the in the number of big bass that are being caught today I believe uh-huh.
2: Okay and you talked about that new reservoir phenomenon we saw it uh here in in Texas at Lake Fork in the you know early to mid 80s um just mm-hmm. monster bass coming out of there and Lake Fork continues to be the gold standard um uh, but man for what Toledo Bend's done over the last 2 years has been just mind-boggling um they've got a great program in place their, their lunker program and i believe that's put on by the Toledo Bend Lake Association um Correct. it was started back in 1992 and and the premise is basically if you catch a 10-pound bass during the um, lunker season, you can take it, you know, have it weighed, certified, all that stuff. And if you choose to release it back into the reservoir, uh, they will present you, you know, with a life-size replica of your fish. So yes. very rewarding there. You get, a, you know, a free mount to uh, commemorate that catch of a lifetime. Uh, the spawn is, and you can help us here, is probably just about to kick off. I'm sure there's some fish on beds, but really hasn't even hit the peak yet.
0: I always have to qualify my statements about Toledo Bend because it is unique and, and I don't want to bog you down in, in too many details, but the, with the size of this water body, it, it's somewhat foolish to say the spawn happens at this point.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: It, it's a very diverse habitat uh, from the north end to the south end, and and it's 65 miles long. Yeah. There's, there are fish spawning on the north end before the ones on the south end are ready. And then the south end is spawning later than the ones on the north end. And then you can throw into that the individual uh, variations within the population, you know, for the tendency to spawn at one point or another. And, and so there's, it's a broad, a much broader uh, range of dates than the average person would consider Mm -hmm. in in my experience. But when we looked at uh, aging fish over, Many many years, it uh, it seems that the peak month, if you had to pick a thirty day period for largemouth bass spawn on Toledo, would be April. Okay, right. But if you look at the historic lunker bass catches, the peak on that graph is going to happen in March, Mm -hmm. and that's primarily because those are pre spawn fish, or some perhaps some early spawn fish, but but that's when that's the time that they begin to become available to anglers or more accessible to anglers because they are moving up, staging, uh, you know, off of uh, shallow areas maybe, but but getting shallower and, and more accessible for the average
2: and feeding angler. very uh, very voraciously and, and,
0: and they are feeding aggressively. Yeah. yeah. So the more lunkers uh, have been caught in March, but the uh, the actual spawn. Uh, is apparently peaking in the month of April.
2: Right. Well, in this article I read in Lone Star Outdoor News, uh, it talked about actually that more lunkers are caught on the <clears throat> Texas side of the lake, and and uh, I was wondering why, if that is true, uh, why it is. I think that
0: it has more to do with the amount of pressure. There, there are historically uh, favorite spots. For anglers over on the Texas side, of housing is is one that I know a lot of people from this side go over there and fish because they just have always fished it and they know it well. And and one of the uh, attractive aspects of, of two or three of those coves over there has been that they consistently have <clears throat> a little more submerged aquatic vegetation mm-hmm. than we have had on the Louisiana side. And again, I believe, in my opinion, that that has to do with the, uh, the the ground cover on that side of the lake. If you look at the the amount of development on the shoreline of both sides of the lake, Louisiana is, is actually more developed okay. than, than the Texas side. And the major reason for that is a lot of the Texas shoreline is involved in the uh, national forest over there so they don't have a lot of development <clears throat> in, in in that area they basically have none so i think that that, that reduces the amount of uh, turbidity in the water to some degree and probably makes it more uh, likely to have uh, submerged aquatic vegetation that's my read on that so i think tradition has a lot to do with it but but i think they do have on average, a, a little more submerged uh, vegetation over there that, than we do in some cases. Mm-hmm. And uh, they uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife, whom I, I don't want to speak for, but I am aware that, that they have tried a, a little different approach on the stocking their Florida bass. Uh, a few years back, they tried different approach and you could speak with uh, todd driscoll Mm -hmm. uh, on on that side and he could give you a little more insight into this but they did what they called embayment stockings where, where they concentrated their florida bass fingerlings in in certain coves as opposed to scattering them uniformly up and down the shoreline and and the idea was to not that you you can overwhelm the native fish population with these Florida bass fanglers, but you can uh, have a <clears throat> possibly greater impact on the genetic makeup of a small area if you just continue to, to pour them in the, at the same place. And that was the line of thinking. I I don't have the uh, evaluation of that program. Todd could give that to you. But but I do know that they did that differently than we did uh, over here where we've, we tried to uh, spread the joy as much as possible
2: sure, uh,
0: and and give, you know, feel, have everybody feel like that they had Florida bass within a boat ride of their place, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was the way we went about it. And, and, um, I, I don't have the, the ability to measure the success of their program, but, but that's a possible factor uh in conjunction with the, the other things that I mentioned previously.
2: Okay. Do you think that the lake is showing any signs of slowing down or do you think that this resurgence um will continue for I don't know I mean I don't know how long this could last. But um what's your opinion?
0: I would say we're we're probably going to continue as we are for another 2 or 3 years before that pulse of energy passes through the the lake and 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 we have another event now that that may extend that uh, a little more. We're having uh, record high water, and and that can also benefit the fish population when it allows them access to to new feeding grounds and spawning grounds. And and so I expect we'll have a very successful spawn this year, which will give us a, a strong year class. You know, to move forward. Of course, when when you're talking about a lunker bass, <clears throat> a ten plus pound fish,
6: mm-hmm.
0: uh, you're talking about, in most cases, an um, eight-year-old fish. And and slightly larger fish would be a little older. You're, you're primarily talking about eight to ten-year-old fish when you're looking at the big ones. And so you have to look forward and you have to look back, you know, as to what uh, What's happening at at that time, eight, eight years back, or what's going to happen between now and, and eight or ten years, to to try to analyze what your fish population is going to look like at that time, or or how you got what you have now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's based on what happened in the past, so <clears throat> it's it's really a, a complex question to to try to answer. But right. but I think based on what we. Have seen and are seeing now that you know we. I would look for another two or three years of excellent uh, lunker bass fishing, and and hopefully we'll we'll go a little bit past that. But that's my uh, realistic expectations.
2: Well, great stuff, Ricky. Hey, thank you so much for jumping on with us. I uh, hope that you enjoy your retirement, well earned after uh, 37 years with the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. Hey, thanks for hopping on with us. I'm glad to do it. Good luck in the turkey woods this weekend. All right, you too. You bet. Take care. Okay, man. Bye. All right, there he goes, Ricky Yeldell, a longtime biologist on Toledo Bend Reservoir. Man, i got to get down to Toledo Bend. Over, They're probably at 130 by the time we're off the end of the day. I guarantee you they will be. Uh, 130 lunker bass, that's 10-pound-plus largemouth, have been caught out of Toledo Bend so far this season. That is, wow, mind-boggling. Anyway, great stuff there from Ricky. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Got to go. Got to get out of here. Thanks to Ricky as well as our other guest today, Sean Callahan of the South Pond Waterfowl Pursuit to the Plate podcast. Of course, we also want to thank Captain... Fred Ruiz, one of our fine Texas Parks and Wildlife game wardens and then all those spammy telemarketers uh, we wouldn't have a good laugh at their expense if they didn't keep calling, so we appreciate their contributions as well, uh, thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoors show, we'll do it again same time, same place next week until then, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors Back to losing to that girl.